Hi friends, I'm Katie Brinkley and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. With nearly two decades helping business owners, consultants, and coaches with their digital marketing, I know that social media can be an incredible tool to grow your business when you know how to do it the right way. And that's what we're going to do today. I teach you how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship and digital marketing, and hopefully you'll grow your business with a few great tips you wouldn't have known otherwise, and maybe even discover a great local business you love. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Today we're going to talk about LinkedIn and how you can make it more personal. I know that for LinkedIn, it definitely feels like it's more of that business platform, but I want to tell you, and I've said this before, LinkedIn is not just an online resume. It's not. It's one of my favorite platforms because I really feel that the connections and the opportunities that are there really are completely different than what you find over on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, any of the other big social media platforms. There's a different type of community that's over on LinkedIn, but how can you show up for business and still share your personal story. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. I brought in a good friend of mine. She and I have actually had the opportunity to hang out in real life multiple times. And every time it's when we are both taking the stage, speaking at an event, we've hung out in Ohio a couple times. We've hung out here in Denver. It's, she is another Colorado resident and you know how much I enjoy bringing on other Colorado business owners. I'm sitting down with Kate Payne today, and Kate Payne works with women entrepreneurs to up-level their online visibility strategies, and she really specializes in personal branding and focuses on using LinkedIn as that powerful personal branding tool for marketing and lead gen. So Kate, thank you so much for joining me on Rocky Mountain Marketing today. I'm so glad to sit down with you once again and talk a little shop of LinkedIn. I know, and thank you for having me here, Katie. I'm so excited. Like you said, our paths have been crossing in different ways, and we kept saying, like, we got to go do this. And so here we are. I know, so I'm excited. I know. I was talking with Andrea Ball about this a couple weeks ago because she's in Colorado too. And the yes. only time I see her is at a conference out of state or on a Zoom screen. I know. Um, <laughs> and I met Andrea Ball at our mutual friend Vivica Von Rosen's wedding back in 2018 and i actually that was the first time i met andrea in person andrea is awesome i need to get her back on the show too she's so funny but let's hop we're going to talk a little bit about linkedin today because this is your favorite social media platform too and last time that we got to spend time together was at social media week lima and that was where you talked all about linkedin and how you can share your personal story on it so before we start talking about some of the different strategies that you talked about in that presentation, I have to ask, why LinkedIn? Why did you decide to go all in on LinkedIn for that platform? Because really LinkedIn, it does kind of have that reputation of being so kind of, you blah. know, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah kind of blah. I need to put on yeah. a business jacket if I'm going to talk about LinkedIn, you yeah. know? So, I mean, why LinkedIn? When I had the previous iteration of my business, and I used to live in Vermont before I moved to Colorado recently, I was in PR. PR has been my background. I got a 30-year career in public relations and marketing. And at the time, I was had my business, and I also was the part-time executive director for the Women Business Owners Network of Vermont and New Hampshire. And when I was putting on conferences and speaking, and we had monthly chapter meetings and stuff like that, women were coming up to me all the time 
asking me like, how do I market myself? And it was like 2010 to 2013. So social media was still fairly new. Certainly the internet had been around a while, but still websites were a thing and people still weren't real comfortable with how to sort of, you know, I'm so great at my service or I have this great widget, but I have no idea how to market it. So as I started sort of helping people in that role, I was in this leadership role that I started to see the need. I could switch something. This is a funky time for PR. I'm going to switch over to helping women market themselves. LinkedIn was something I had been paying attention to, but again, it had been like a job seeking platform or yeah. place for your digital resume. As I started to really dig into it more and learn how to use it as a platform that maybe a lot of people weren't considering and using it that way, like a marketing platform, I started to dig in and I just started to teach myself. And that's actually how I met our mutual friend. I mentioned Vivica Von Rosen, who is known as the at LinkedIn expert, the original one. I got connected with her. And so I learned a lot from her. And then I started using it with my clients and going to conferences and all of that. I think people see the value of LinkedIn. They realize now that it's not just a job seeking platform, that it really is a professional online business networking platform. And more and more people are seeing all the different tools you can be using to really figure out for yourself which approach works for you on LinkedIn. Is it a newsletter? Is it a LinkedIn Live? Is it just posting? But it's a great place to really establish your digital footprint and your thought leadership, which is why I love it. Well, and Kate, you, you just quickly said LinkedIn Live, LinkedIn Newsletter. Do you think that by LinkedIn releasing these different ways of producing content, do you think that's what really kind of helped the platforms shift away from being that online resume, that now it is that spot. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people, some of your listeners may not realize this, but Microsoft bought LinkedIn in 2016. And when they first bought it, I thought, oh boy, it's gonna like, ick, it's gonna be awful. I was so leery about Microsoft or any big company taking advantage of this. But I actually think that Microsoft over the years since then has actually really evolved LinkedIn into being a place where yes, you can find work. Yes, it's a digital footprint. It's your digital footprint. Even on your own about page on your website, you wouldn't put all of your experience. You wouldn't put your volunteer experience. People wouldn't see that whole sort of professional side of you and the history that goes beyond it. When they started bringing out tools like LinkedIn Live. So if you like to do video, LinkedIn Live is a great resource. LinkedIn Newsletter for those people that might want to write but repurpose existing marketing newsletters into a LinkedIn newsletter. And now, of course, LinkedIn social audio, which is like the clubhouse version of social audio, which I haven't done as much of, but it just like all these tools exist now so that somebody can find their lane and really create content in a place that they feel comfortable. And it's an additional channel in addition to their Instagram, Facebook, or whatever else they're doing. Well, one of the things that I love most about LinkedIn is that the LinkedIn newsletters, the LinkedIn articles, the LinkedIn lives, the LinkedIn audio, they're not just one dominant way of creating content. There's still value in the written word if you enjoy writing. There's still value in creating long-form video, live video content if you want to go live with video. If you enjoy podcasting and you want to have just those LinkedIn audio rooms, you have a, an avenue of creating content there. So it really feels to me like LinkedIn is trying to do the best they can of creating a platform where however you enjoy creating content, there's a way to do it on this platform. There's a way for you to grow your audience and your thought leadership in your way 
if you use LinkedIn. Right, 100%. That's what's so cool about it. For LinkedIn Live, uh, just so that some of your viewers understand, when you do live video on LinkedIn, it's not like a Facebook Live. It's not like you can, you know, pick up your phone and go live and you're, you're live. You actually do have to subscribe to a third-party app. So there's five approved partners, StreamYard, Restream, Vimeo, Switcher, and one other I can't think of. <laughs> I'm a fan of StreamYard. I've, so the cool thing about this, though, is that when you decide to do LinkedIn Live and you get one of these subscriptions, so StreamYard, in my case, you can concurrently stream to other places like Facebook, YouTube, whatever you want. All this technology is coming about, and it's really user-friendly. Um, and so it helps you get reach. I just think that LinkedIn's done a really good job. There's a lot of people that think LinkedIn is still a little stuffy, but a lot of people who aren't as comfortable, say on Facebook, just because of all the stuff that's been going on with Meta, or they might say, you know what? My client isn't really on Facebook, but almost everybody who's in business has mm -hmm. some kind of presence on LinkedIn. So I always like to kind of stress, to think of your LinkedIn presence there. Even if you're not going to post a lot of content there, think of that as your place where your digital footprint lives online. So, you know, first of all, the SEO juice <laughs> that LinkedIn has, if somebody has your name, Katie, and they go into Google and type in Katie Brinkley, your LinkedIn profile will show up on page one of Google. It shows up as number one. It shows up as number one, despite the fact that I have katiebrinkley.com, despite the fact that I have Rocky Mount Marketing, I have a Facebook. It is my LinkedIn that shows up first? Almost always, I would say nine times out of 10. And when I show clients of mine, I'll be like, take a look. I always say to people like, if you, for no other reason, don't show love to your LinkedIn profile just because it could be the very first impression online where somebody finds you. I think we all have this, we all have this feeling that like when we put our website up online, we think that people are going to find our website, they're going to come into our homepage, and they're going to click on every single tab. And it's like this little <laughs> linear journey. And you just don't know. In this day and age, people are savvy enough that if they want to get instant results and learn more about you, and they know your name, they're going to put it into Google or LinkedIn, and you're going to show up there. Your social media pages could show up even before your website. So you just never know how someone is going to find you. It's actually a really great reminder to just pay attention to how you show up because if mm -hmm. your LinkedIn profile is out of date or it's just kind of meh or it's really bio-like, which yeah. is why we're going to talk about story, that's what everybody else does. And I don't want you to have what I call the blah, blah profile. I don't want you to have yeah. the blah, blah profile. <laughs> I think that this is a great transition into how to craft that personal story on LinkedIn because it has been such a, how can you share your personal story on a platform that is designed to give you more business opportunities right. because I think that there is a fine line of what to share on your LinkedIn page and still give it that personal story, that personal touch, but it's not saying like what I posted on Facebook right. recently was, was something about like, I understand now why mortgages are 30 years because yeah. only a crazy person would want to move in more often than that. I'm not going to mm -hmm. post that over on LinkedIn, but I posted it on Facebook and there was a reason behind all of it, but right. How do you find that way of showing up to create content that's professional yet personal? This is such a great question. I think, frankly, the reason why LinkedIn shows some more personal aspects or that you can be more authentic is 
because of the pandemic. Because when everybody was in lockdown, people were quitting their jobs, everybody was on LinkedIn. LinkedIn experienced explosive growth in the beginning of the lockdown. And I think that people just started being more real about what was going on in their professional life. Like I'm working from home. How many work from home things did? That's when I started watching TikTok just because you know of all the videos everybody was sharing about work from home and everybody in their pajamas. And so I think in some ways that allowed LinkedIn to be a little bit more authentic from that standpoint because so many people were working from home. So it was still a little business. There was still a link there, like a thread. In this day and age, people are still being able to be a little more personal, but it's not the place to post what you ate for breakfast, unless you're a chef. <laughs> it's not the place to post your kids' little league game or what your dogs did, unless you're a vet. You know what I mean? Like. This is, this is where you just kind of like, you're not talking about politics or religion, which is another reason why a lot of people like LinkedIn, because even the users who the longtime users on LinkedIn sort of politely call people out if they go there. That's kind of a cool thing that I think through user-generated content, LinkedIn has been able to kind of not become vitriol like you might find on maybe Facebook, especially yeah. during political season. When I work with my clients and I talk to them about being more personal on LinkedIn, the way that I work with them is to say, listen, let's kind of really identify a nugget of what I call your personal story or your slice of life story. It's short and sweet. And where it would live in your profile is at the very beginning of your about section. So the about section is the most read section of one's LinkedIn profile. And you have 2,600 characters there. It's about 500 words-ish. And I have what I call a three-part recipe for the about section. It's who you are, what you do, and you conclude with how you help or an outcome you provide. Versus, I've been a CPA for 30 years and I've done this and I've done that. That's what I call the blah, blah profile. You can put that information about the nitty gritty of what you do for the company you work for or in the business you own in the experience section. But let that about section be something that captivates your reader's attention and they want to learn more about you. So what I do is I actually interview my clients, but you can do this yourself. Think about like, how did you go from whatever it was you did before your own business? Let's just use the ex as example of being a solo entrepreneur, right? So what did you do before you opened your own business and what made you start that business? Maybe you worked for a company doing a certain role and then you're like, you know what? I can do this on my own. Well, let's tell us the story of how you got there. For example, in my about section, my first sentence is, I was an avid news junkie in seventh grade. I mean, that's my first line. That first line needs to be like really compelling and, and have it be personal so that they wanna click that see more link to open up the whole about section. My story is that I was an intern in New York City when I was in college. I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I interned at CBS Evening News with Dan Rather. And even though I didn't become a broadcast journalist, I went into PR and media and I'm still sort of in that wavelength. Now I have my own business and here's how I help people with telling their story. So I tied it all together in like two short paragraphs, like really short. And Kate, before we move on from that, because no, because I think that that is one of the missing pieces. This is for any social platform right there Yep. is there's certain things that are part of your story that are unique only to you. And a lot of times, so for me, when I was talking on Clubhouse with Subi Zimmerman about Instagram once, and she said, after we got off the Clubhouse stage, 
She said, man, Katie, you're really good on audio. And I was like, well, I used to work in radio. I hope that I sound okay. And she goes, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, I used to be a radio reporter. She said, for who? And I was like, well, I did the post-game interviews for the Broncos and Rockies. And she's like, you what? How come I don't know this? And I was like, I don't know, because I gave up. I'd only did it for four years, and then I moved on. I wish I wouldn't have quit. And I held it as kind of like shame. I didn't want people to know that I, but in reality, even though I quote unquote quit, I didn't know what the future was. I thought radio dot was going to die and that Sirius XM was going to take over the world. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's that. Obviously I was wrong, but I mean, there's different parts of that story where one, people can say, oh, that's really cool. She worked in radio. Two, I love the Denver Broncos, but the Broncos are terrible. Or three, she used to be a locker room reporter. That's really cool. She was in the locker room. What was that like? I've drawn interests from radio people, from sports fans, and from other women who want to see more women behind the microphone that think that's cool. And look how it's aligned to what you're doing. First of all, having a background in media, especially if it was traditional media like radio or even television or even print back in the day in my day, mm -hmm. is it's still communication, right? Yeah. Here we are in our respective roles, but everything that we learned there is something that we've brought to what we do now and there's an alignment. Exactly. And exactly. so if somebody hears that story, like when I heard you on stage in Lima, you talk about that. And that's like a whole thing. It's almost like, oh, well that totally makes sense because look at her. She's <laughs> got a marketing agency, she's got a podcast, she's on stage speaking. All of that background gives you, it makes you interesting and it gives you even more credibility. The same thing can happen when you think about your own story is think about how it's aligned. That's what's so interesting. You do this all offline. Like a lot of times people will be like, how do I do this in the back of the template in LinkedIn? I'm like, no, 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 no. Do this offline. You know, yeah. that three-part recipe, who you are, what you do, how you help. Write this all out offline. Have a couple people read it. Get it down into a tight 500 words. And by the way, use all that digital real estate. It's important incorporate your keywords in your writing so that you're going to be more sh likely to show up in search for LinkedIn and Google. And then it's like you tell the story, which makes people interested. Then you segue into today I work with, and this is what I do. And these are the types of people I work with. And then you segue into the conclusion. And one of the outcomes that I provide for my clients is blah, 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 blah. Then people kind of really have a solid feeling of who you are and what you do and how you help so that it's not just a bio. Yes. And that's so important. You talked about the SEO keywords in there, talking about who you are, what you do, how you can help. And that is honestly, that's what I turn my Instagram bio into with my Instagram course. One of the very first things we talk about is, okay, in this 150 characters, how can you quickly say what you do, who you help? And, and I say, why you? It's the same recipe that's going to help you stand out on all these different platforms and embracing and you have more room to do it yes. on linkedin long yes. form content does really well on linkedin mm -hmm. let's talk about that like how long you said it you have about 500 words for this about section well the thing is microsoft linkedin expanded it when i first started using linkedin nine years ago you had 1500 characters then they expanded it to 2000 and then about two years they expanded it to 2600 so even if you don't know algorithms and you don't follow that stuff, whenever a, a platform expands something, 
that means they're paying attention to it. They're giving you more room for a reason. Mm -hmm. Utilize it. A lot of people be like, oh, well, short and sweet. I'm like, not when it comes to your LinkedIn about section or the description of what you do in your career in the experience section. You have 2000 characters for that. They increase that from a thousand. So those are places where you want to have that. That's why I call it your digital footprint. You want to use that digital real estate. Using that digital real estate to really clearly say what it is that makes you different for that about section, for your experience section, what are some types of content that you feel people are either completely swinging and missing on, they're not even stepping up to the plate on, or you know some of the biggest mistakes or things that people should be looking out for on social media that's really even if it's just once a week or once right. a month that they create this type of content what would be your biggest tip for them i would say that one of the mistakes i think people make on linkedin is first of all i think a lot of people are like it's linkedin i don't really know what voice i'm supposed to have here yeah am i going to be too businessy am i supposed to be promoting am i supposed to be salesy so i think where a lot of people are making mistakes is because they're seeing a lot of like bad apples who are actually doing it wrong on LinkedIn, but so many people are doing it. I'm speaking of, and I'm sure everybody listening would know, and how many of us get those daily connection invitations from somebody we don't know who is trying to sell us something out of the gate. We haven't yes. built relationship with them. We haven't built trust with them. And so I think a lot of people think, well, if everybody's doing this, is this the way to do it? And I'm yeah. here to tell you, do not do that on LinkedIn. I can't tell you how many public service announcement posts I put out about that. When you're going to make connections with people, make connections with people, like have your own little filter, two or three layers of who is somebody that's a thought leader that I admire? Who is someone in my industry that I respect? Who is somebody that could be a possible client? Now, you don't know for sure, but you can kind of get a feel for somebody in 10 or 15 seconds by looking at their profile. Take a look at their content. I think because people have done that, I think people think they need to be salesy in their posts. So then all their posts, if they do one or two a week, are promoting themselves, promoting themselves, promoting their thing, da, da, da. People are tired of that. So shift that and think like, okay, if I have an event coming up or I have a masterclass, then I might do one or two posts about that, but that's like 10% of what I would put content out. Otherwise, think of yourself, I always talk about pillars of content. I know you know what that is. Think of what your pillars of content are across your other channels, add LinkedIn as that other channel. Number one, your biggest pillar should be education or awareness building. Teach people something, share a story, share a case study, share something behind the scenes with a client, share a success. There's all kinds of things that you can just post about that people can, over time, it builds top of mind awareness, right? For you. And then they see you as that go-to resource. That's building trust. That's building a relationship. You start to think about like if so-and-so brings up accounting, oh, I follow this person on LinkedIn or I'm connected to this person on LinkedIn who really puts great content out about accounting, but it's not about like tax deadlines. You yeah. know what I mean? It's meaty. Videos work. Videos with captions. If you're using LinkedIn video, video with captions, just like on most platforms. Mix it up. Like when I say long form content, you can have long posts, but have short posts too. Have some image posts, have some text posts, have some video posts, mix it up. I don't care what channel you're using. <laughs> mix up your content anyway. But don't be salesy on LinkedIn. Think of this as a place for you to really build your thought leadership. 
in a way that's a little bit different than on Facebook or Instagram. I love that you brought that up as not to be too salesy because nobody wants to go online and be sold to all the time. It's just like turning right. on the TV. Right. I don't know who turns on the TV and says, I can't wait to watch some commercials unless I it's know. the Super Bowl. But I mean, really, <laughs> who turns on the TV and says, I can't wait to see what commercials come on, especially during, you know, a political season. Right. But you have to keep that in mind with all of your posts. What kind of posts would you be interested in seeing? What type of posts would you want to engage with and what would you want to have show up in your feed? Right. So as we kind of start to wrap this episode up here, you have a podcast that's been just a video, a live stream video that you've done that you've now turned into a podcast. It's Coffee with Kate, which yes. man, it's pretty close. I mean, look on my shoulder. Ooh, woo, mirrors. There we go. <laughs> ah. Coffee with Katie is pretty, pretty yep. darn close, but yep. uh, Coffee with Kate and this is what you talk about with your show. My business name is Standing Out Online. And so back before LinkedIn even allowed native video. So native video is if you did a post, and you want to upload a video like an MP4 file or something. And LinkedIn had a rule when they did come out with native video that it couldn't be longer than 10 minutes. So I thought to myself, LinkedIn's going to eventually have live streaming at some mm -hmm. point. I thought I want to try. I wasn't ready to commit to a podcast at the time. Yeah. I thought, I'm going to come up with this show. It's Coffee with Kate. And I'm going to interview people in the digital marketing world. And it's going to be eight minutes. What I did is I sent people a coffee mug with my branding on it. So when we were on, and we did it on Zoom. And we would like start out, and we'd like kind of cheers each other to the camera with our, co with our respective coffee mugs. So it was sort of like we were having coffee together. A little bit of a shtick, but everybody loves it. And I'm still doing it to this day. <laughs> I would throw these up like once a month when LinkedIn Live came out and I subscribed to StreamYard. Then I was like, "Ooh, this is a whole new world. And then I decided I'm ready to commit to the podcast. So my podcast actually lives on the eWomen Network podcast network. Just launched the end of July. It's Coffee with Kate, brewing business brilliance for entrepreneurs. So I have a lot of really fascinating clients. I know a lot of people in the entrepreneurial world, especially women entrepreneurs and for people who I think are have a lot of really good information to share that we want to get out, those are the people I'm interviewing. I love it. And that was actually another event that we and got I to go to together. I want you on my show. I know. Please. Count me in. <laughs> Count me in. I'm so down to join you on your show. Yes. And I mean, especially too, we, we're both here in Colorado. We're going to go paddle boarding and hiking and do all the yes, Colorado things. It's always fun to have another Coloradan on board. Well, Kate, this has been a great conversation. And I really hope that the listeners will reevaluate the way that they're showing up on LinkedIn. And like you said too, I don't know how they will address this, but they have a serious problem right now with those LinkedIn connection requests and yep. like the selling. I think it's turning a lot of people off, but majority of my business comes from LinkedIn. Same here. My paid speaking opportunities all come from LinkedIn. Right. It is an incredible platform to show up the way that you feel comfortable creating content. Again, me, I produce to an article and a newsletter. I do polls. I'm not really showing up on video that much because we all know how I feel about video, but I'm still able to generate those connections, the business opportunities, and share what it is that makes me and my business different so people want to work with me. Right. Don't make your judgments on LinkedIn based on those annoying connection Ugh. requests. Because there's still so much other, like, really, there's meat there. There's a lot being in the world of public relations and being a former journalist. A lot of journalists and podcasters use LinkedIn as a resource to find their next guest. Yep. So there's opportunity there. 
One million percent. Well, Kate, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for sitting down with me and the listeners of Rocky Mountain Marketing today. Can't wait to hit the lakes with you on the paddle boards here soon. Soon. Thank you, Katie. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Make sure to subscribe so that you can continue navigating the world of entrepreneurship. And I'd love to hear from you. Please leave the show a review and connect with me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Katie Brinkley or connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you're ready to start making some sales on social media, be sure to grab my free guide to selling in the DMs without being spammy. You can get that at katiebrinkley.com. Let's keep taking your marketing to all new heights.